what church song do you really, really like to sing? I have a little trouble narrowing it down myself. I know I'd want great is thy faithfulness. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. And can it be? How about you? What hymn would you choose if you were on a desert island? Or how about worship choruses? What choruses would you want to listen to every day for the next five years or however long you're stranded? Hopefully quarantine won't be five years. For me, it might be 10,000 reasons. This is amazing love. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. These are the days of Elijah. And then as we were singing this morning, I thought, oh, I now want to add both of those choruses to the list too. I'd want to listen to them all the time. What choruses could you not live without? And again, share it with someone or share it with the rest of us in your comments. And finally, what if the question was, if you could choose only two or three Bible passages or stories from the Bible as the only Bible you had, what would you choose? What scriptures would you want to read day after day? I think my first choice would have to be John chapter 1. That great sweeping epic. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and blood and moved right into the neighborhood. Wow. Every time I hear that portion of Scripture, it always amazes me. This chapter is just sort of the Bible in a nutshell. But then I think I'd also like to have chapters 4 and 5 of Judges, simply because that's the story of my personal hero ever since I was a little girl. Deborah, the judge, prophet, warrior, songwriter, wife, and the leader of Israel for many years. A woman who reminds us that God often calls and uses very unlikely people. <laughs> See why she's my hero? What story or scripture passage would you especially want to have as a castaway on a desert island? There's another scripture that I'd want to have with me that you might think is a little odd for being a desert island standby, but it's one that speaks to me in all kinds of situations. It's the one we're going to look at today from Luke chapter 24. If you have a Bible there with you, turn with me to Luke chapter 24, beginning with verse 13. This is a story that takes place later in the day 
on that first Easter day. The same day, still Easter day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they were talking and discussing these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But they didn't recognize him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. And then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard all the things that have happened here in the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. And he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But the leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. And then this morning, some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to sea, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said, silly people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures? Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through all the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he was going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. And so he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, Jesus took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the other followers who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. And then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him when he was breaking the bread. Lord, open our eyes this morning so that we may see you and recognize you 
right where we are. And may we listen to your voice. Amen. I love this story. Maybe it's because I have no trouble whatsoever putting myself right into the middle of the story, envisioning you and me in these uncertain days of coronavirus, walking along a very human road of anxiety and distress, just as these two were, not knowing what lies ahead or what will happen next, not knowing who will have a job, who can pay their bills, or who will live and who will die next, not knowing when things will go back to normal, or if they'll ever go back to normal, or what the new normal will look like. It's a road littered with broken hearts and shattered plans with anger and fear and frustration, isn't it? Luke tells us that these two close followers of Jesus were walking away from Jerusalem, going home, not just home from a shopping trip or a visit to grandma's, no. They're going home because they don't know what else to do. They're done. Their world is broken. Things have not worked out the way they had expected. They had pinned all their hopes on Jesus being the Messiah. They had left everything to follow him, risked their futures and their very lives. And now he's dead, crucified like a common criminal. They hadn't seen that coming. And everyone they know is in hiding, <laughs> sort of like self-quarantine, fearing for their lives. So they're going home. What else is there to do except throw in the towel when nothing has gone the way it's supposed to? Ever been there? One of these disciples is called Cleopas, and the other is not named. Personally, I sort of like to think of the other one as Mrs. Cleopas. History tells us there was a follower of Jesus named Mary Cleopas. But I know that Wally and I have certainly walked more than once as husband and wife on roads of disappointment or fear or frustration. So I can relate to Cleopas and Mrs. Cleopas. But you know what I really think? I think that second person on the road may have been left unnamed deliberately so that we can slip our own names right into the story. The second person on that road is me. And it's you. It's our disconcerting road that they're walking on. And right in the middle 
of their weariness and their disillusionment, Jesus himself comes along. Like a ray of light in this dark story. And they don't even know it yet. And that's why this story is, has such significance for us. It reminds us that when we face a lonely, unfathomable road, a desert island, a pandemic, Jesus is closer than we ever imagined, even when we don't know it yet. The one who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, doesn't. And just like those disciples, just like Jesus himself, we all face whys in life, don't we? Why me? Why did this happen? Why doesn't God do something? And so in answer to their questions and worries, Jesus points them to the word of God. And starting with Moses, he shows them how the thread of God's grace runs all the way through the Bible, from the very beginning, all down through history. How even when it appears that evil has the upper hand, God is, in fact, even then, redeeming his creation, restoring his people, working in all things to make them right. And I think Jesus might have even reminded these two of what he had said to his friend Martha when her brother died. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die like everyone else, will live again. They are given eternal life because they believe in me. This is not all there is, Jesus said. So by this time, night is falling, and they're almost home. And Mr. and Mrs. Cleopas invite this stranger in for the night, which wasn't particularly unusual because the followers of Jesus were known for their hospitality, and it was also a, a common in the Old Testament cultures, a custom. And so it was just more or less an ordinary turn of events. And yet it wasn't, was it? Because this is the moment when they see Jesus. Suddenly their eyes are opened and they recognized him. Devotional writer Lamar Smith says, we never know what surprise encounter we may have with our risen Lord when we reach out to a fellow human in hospitality. We never know what surprise encounter we may have with Jesus when we reach out to another person in love and care. They reached out to an anonymous fellow traveler and they encountered Jesus. 
There was apparently something about the way Jesus broke the bread or the way he prayed over it that they recognized. And all of a sudden, here in the midst of one of the most mundane, run-of-the-mill moments of life, supper, they looked beyond their despair and they saw Jesus. They recognized him in the very ordinariness of eating together. And they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road? Jesus, the living word of God, had been revealed to their hearts before he was revealed to their eyes. They had felt their hearts warmed by his presence even before they knew who he was. There's a fancy theological term for that, provenient grace. And the word itself, provenient grace, isn't particularly important to remember. But the truth about God that it describes is. Provenient grace is God working in people's hearts and lives even before they realize it before they ever recognize him. It is Jesus being revealed to their hearts when they don't know it's him yet. Provenient grace is at work in the lives of our friends and loved ones who don't know Jesus yet, who maybe even don't want to know him. But nevertheless, he's there, working quietly in the background of their lives, getting their hearts ready to recognize him. Maybe that grace is at work in you this morning. Maybe this is all sort of new to you, but you sense something happening in your life. Your heart seems to be warmed and you don't know why. Let me tell you why. It's Jesus walking alongside this grace is also at work every day in those of us who already follow Jesus, who may have even been walking with him a long time. God also is working in our lives, working in our circumstances, even before we recognize that he is. And then suddenly, surprise, <laughs> we see him. We recognize that he is at work in our lives in ways that we hadn't even realized. And everything is changed. Did you notice? One look at who Jesus really was and their whole outlook changed completely. Recognizing Jesus' presence was all they needed to begin to see things from a whole different point of view. And with hindsight, they realized that Jesus had been with them all along as they had walked on that desperate road. A few months ago, when Wally was going through chemo treatments for lymphoma, 
We were walking along that anxious, uncertain road, wondering what lay ahead. And you know how you, you put on a brave face and you try to convince even yourself that you've got this, God's got this, you trust God. And yet way down inside, especially in the middle of the night, you hear yourself asking, why? Why Wally, the best man I've ever known? Why him, Lord? What's happening? How will we get through this? Where are you, Lord? And somewhere along that road in the middle of a dark night, I recognized Jesus walking right along beside us. The thing is, he had been there <laughs> all along. But suddenly I opened my eyes and really saw him recognized his presence, and I realized we had never been alone at all, even when I didn't realize it. Never left our side. And it changed my whole point of view. The circumstances hadn't changed, but I changed. <laughs> my outlook changed from terror to hope and peace. Within the hour, verse 33 says, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. Seven miles back to Jerusalem in the middle of the night. <laughs> you know what it's like to be that excited about something? Maybe that's what it'll be like the... First Sunday, we can open the church doors and greet each other with hugs and handshakes. The miracle of recognizing Jesus in the midst of the ordinary and the commonplace was way too good to keep to themselves. Their whole outlook had changed. Oh, things hadn't changed in Jerusalem. The situation was the same, but everything had changed in them. And Jesus is here with us this morning, walking along beside us, here with me in this almost empty sanctuary, there with you in your living room or your kitchen or your bedroom. And even though we're scattered and separated by miles, Jesus is with us, bringing us together as his people. We may feel alone and isolated these days. We may feel discouraged and fearful, frustrated, but we are not alone. Jesus is with us. And by his presence, we are drawn together as well as he warms our hearts, as he works in us and through us together as a church family, reminding us that we are still connected despite the miles. We, are st we still have a mission together as his church. He is still risen 
and he is king, we are never alone on whatever road we're walking because Jesus is walking alongside and he never, ever leaves us nor forsakes us. Remember the hymn, the chorus, the scripture, the Bible passage that you said you would like to have with you on a desert island? Bring that to mind. This week, on our isolated islands of corona quarantine, whenever the road seems to get hard or dark or lonely, bring that scripture to mind. Look it up and read it. Sing that song. And see if you don't begin to recognize the face of Jesus right there with you. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your presence always, always with us. Thank you that you do walk all the roads of our lives with us. Open our eyes on the road so that we can recognize your presence in our lives and in our world. Warm our hearts, Lord, by your spirit. Build a fire in us even that will shine your love to those around us. Hear our prayer this morning, Lord. In the midst of this pandemic, we are so grateful for those helper people who are working sacrificially these days, doctors and nurses and other medical personnel who put their lives on the line every day, but also the grocery clerks and the custodians and the police officers and all those who are keeping things running for the rest of us. Protect them, Lord. Let's each one of us think of a name or a face of one of these critically needed people and lift that person to God right now. And for those thousands of families who are hurting or grieving because loved ones are sick or have died, we ask your comfort this morning, Lord. Let's think of someone you know or I know who especially needs God's comfort this morning and pray for that person. Be with our leaders more than ever at this crucial time. Governor Newsom, President Trump, Congress, all the medical experts and other advisors who are giving counsel Help them to make wise, selfless decisions. And let's each one of us pray right now for one of our many government leaders. We want to thank you, Lord, this morning for this precious new little life, Emma Joy, that you've brought into our church family. Surround her with your protection. 
Give Pastor Aaron and Paige wisdom as they guide and nurture her life. And be with us who are her church family. Make us people that she can look to as models of Christ-likeness. And we'd pray that same thing for all of the young people and little ones in our church and in our families. Plant a hedge of protection around each one of them physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually. May our lives show them what you look like. Let's bring to mind right now one of the babies or children or teens in our church family and lift that little person to God in prayer. Jesus, make us especially aware of you walking our road beside us this week. Open our eyes to recognize you even in the most unlikely or mundane events of life. We give you thanks this morning for bringing us together through technology. And we give you praise for who you are and gratitude for all that you've given us and all that you do for us and in us and through us. In the name of Jesus and for his glory alone. Amen.